Hello, and welcome to our Inside series of podcasts, where we talk to our members of the Retina International community, from patient advocates to the innovators from across the globe about, about their lives and their work. These podcasts are designed to bring new perspectives, updates to all of our community, and to keep us connected in particular during this COVID pandemic. My name is Avril Daly. I'm the CEO of Retina International. And today I am joined by someone many of our community will know personally or will know of, Michael Griffith. Michael was a founder of Fighting Blindness Ireland back in 1983 and has been involved in the retina community through advocacy for retinal research and also for policy over, for over 20 years. Following his retirement from working in Fighting Blindness Ireland, Michael became a follower of mindfulness, not only as a way to cope with his own retinitis pigmentosa, but also to help him to understand the society that he lives in and to maybe try to ensure other people can better cope in their lives and their works, regardless of what that is. So I'm delighted to welcome you this morning, Michael, to our series of podcasts and to learn from you. Good morning, Avril. It's great to talk to you again. So firstly, before we go any further, how are you coping um, in lockdown? Because we're still in lockdown here in Ireland. Yes, well, thankfully, I'm coping reasonably well. Obviously, um, the over 70s like myself um, have been particularly restricted, but um, more recently now we've been um, allowed to go out for uh, exercise every day, and we do that. I go out with my wife, we go for a 5K walk every day. And um, so we're getting reasonably good exercise and I'm also very lucky because I have a treadmill in the house and some weights, so I'm able mm -hmm. to keep fit there too. And um, as you probably know, Avril, I'm a, a, um, an obsessive, an obsessive getter involved in, <laughs> uh, in things, and um, I, I still am marginally involved with fighting blindness, and um, I'm marginally involved with other charities that I have been involved with all my life. And um, uh, and as you say, in addition, now I have got involved with a new charity um, in in connection with mindfulness, because yes. um, uh, as you know, I have been practicing mindfulness for a very long time. Yes. Um, I, I should say I'm not an expert in mindfulness. Mm -hmm. That's important to say that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have been practicing for over 40 years and um, you may remember that uh, yes. when I was working in fighting blindness, uh, some of us used to get together um, either before work or at lunchtime and have a short session, a short meditation session. That's right. Session. Uh, I, I remember. I remember. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, you talk about mindfulness and we've heard about mindfulness a lot, maybe over the past decade in particular. Um, and you know, some people would think this is some, something new, but as you say, it's something that you have been practicing for, you know, 40 years now and have been very engaged with. But some people still say, you know, mindfulness, this is, this is just another, you know, wellness fad or, or, or a trend, you know, and others really believe that it can help them live positively in the moment. Some people might not know exactly what mindfulness is. So can you just give us an explanation of what, what it really is all about. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked that, Avril, because there is some confusion about it for people that haven't been involved with it. Um, and uh, mindfulness is about um, paying attention to what is in the present moment, 
non-judgmentally and with an attitude of kindness towards yourself and others. Uh, that's the definition from John Kabat-Zinn, who is the father of modern mindfulness or secular mindfulness, as they call mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And um, what it means really is that you try to pay attention to the present moment, to what is in the present moment as much as you can during your life, the whole, all of your day. Um, and the reason for this is that when you are in the present moment, you are in the best place you can be um, from your uh, emotional makeup and from enjoying life and being peaceful and content and being relaxed. And uh, the mindfulness originally came from Buddhism and um, um, the, the, the Buddha uh, said that uh, mindfulness is the way to the highest happiness. Mm -hmm. And now by saying that, he didn't mean that we'd all be running around ecstatically joyful <laughs> every moment. But what he meant was, what he meant was that, uh, you know, the, it's the optimum way to live. To live. That, that, that was his view. And I would certainly concur with that. I think it is, um, it, it's an absolutely wonderful way and it provides huge resources uh, for resilience and for dealing with all the, the difficulties in life. life. And my goodness, <laughs> us people who are losing their sight, have a lot of challenges and uh, you know and and how did you discover how did you discover mindfulness was it something that um you know i mean you think back to 40 years nowadays people discover a lot of things you know via social media the internet yes. but of course that wasn't around then so how did no. you know about it no well yes well mindfulness um i i i, I the um what what who people who practice mindfulness um normally practice meditation, uh, mindfulness yes. meditation, at least once a day, where they sit down and they uh, focus on uh, maybe their breath or maybe um, they might focus on the, uh, their, the, the various sensations like light or sound or um, the, uh, the uh, smell of the fresh air or the um, comfort of the warmth of the room, um, uh, whatever it is, and um, in this, they do this to practice um, being in the present moment, and that's very important to do that, because if you do that on a regular basis, um, it helps you to live your life um, in the present moment as much as possible. Uh, it's known, it's been shown that my, that meditation actually changes the brain. Um, mm. They've been able to show that over the last uh, 20, 30 years by doing brain um, scans on people who practice mindfulness. Mm. And um, so way back 40 odd years ago, I just by chance happened to meet some people who were involved in meditation. And as you say, in those days, mindfulness was not well known. And um, they didn't really call it mindfulness. They just spoke of it as meditation but yes. it was mindfulness because the whole idea was that you practiced the meditation in order to train yourself to be able to live as much as possible in the present moment and to be as aware of what you were doing in the present moment and these people that I met were so enthusiastic about living like that that many of them even though they were highly educated uh, took jobs which were very manual in order to, because they felt it was easier to 
be uh, mindful if they were uh, working in manual jobs, you know. But um, mm. I mean, you, you, that that's not to say you have to work in a manual job <laughs> in order to be mindful. Of course, but that actually is a, is a, is an imp- important point because now you have set up Mindfulness Ireland. Um, and I know in conversations that I've had with you over the years with respect to this, that, you know, it's a way um, of allowing people to bring mindfulness into their everyday lives and into their work. And one very interesting area, I suppose, for us here in Retina International, considering the work that we do in health policy, is your belief that if policymakers at a government level um, practice mindfulness, then they can bring much more reason and much more clarity to the development of policies, particularly in health. So that's something that you've been working on, isn't it? Yes, um, indeed. Um, uh, um, some years ago, about uh, seven or eight years ago, um, I became aware that a uh, um, that the in the British Parliament, um, a, a Labour MP by the name of Chris Ruan had uh, initiated a mindfulness group in the Parliament and that several of the MPs had trained in mindfulness and they were practicing mindfulness on a regular basis. Now, I know you probably wouldn't think that if you were uh, <laughs> listening to the Brexit uh, shenanigans <laughs> over the last few months, but um, but uh, they, they, the mindfulness groups is, is still there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Chris Ruan lost his seat in the last election, but um, he, he's still working uh, with, with the parliament on the mindfulness um, uh, efforts and um, they have actually, in spite of everything, they have uh, developed policy documents which are being implemented. So they're working away quietly there in the background, mm-hmm. particularly mm, in the area of health and education and uh, in the uh, the penal system and okay. uh, in the workplace. And uh, and uh, so I, I got very excited about this idea and I tried to see if we could do something about uh, bringing it to our own Oireachtas and um, which is the uh, Irish we, government, um, yes, Irish Parliament. Yes, yeah. yes. and uh, so we set up Mindful Nation Ireland, uh, myself and, and a mindfulness teacher called Mary Lovegrove, and um, we have uh, we got Chris Ruan over to speak in the Parliament, and uh, we also brought um, uh, Professor Dan Siegel from UCLA over, who is one of the world's leading scientists studying mindfulness. Uh, and uh, so we've had some interesting meetings there in the Oireachtas, in the Irish Parliament. Um, and there are, uh, there, were, uh, there are a number of uh, elected members and senators who are interested. And we do know that there are others, uh, even at ministerial level, who are very interested in mindfulness, mm-hmm. but who probably are too busy to become involved in our efforts right now you know so it's quite interesting you know and I do feel that um, if we could bring mindfulness into the development of policy making and legislation that uh, we could potentially have a much uh, more compassionate society but you know, it's a it's a slow burn. It really it is, is. It, yeah. Because um, it's novel. You know, it's it's very novel, and you know, politicians are hugely sensitive to being ridiculed and things like that. And <laughs> there's course. all there's all sorts of uh, dangers uh, for politicians uh, going in this direction. You know, um, are there international organisations similar to to the one that you have set up that you are in contact with and that you share? Yeah. 
uh, yes. details and resource with? Yes, indeed. There is um, the Mindful Initiative in the UK is a similar organization to Mindful Nation Ireland. And, mm -hmm. um, and they are in touch with, I think, about 40 different um, countries who, who, which have initiatives of one kind or another. Now, it's all very embryonic at the moment. And mm -hmm. um, it's a very difficult thing to do what we're trying to do, you know, by comparison um, with the, the retina movement internationally, it's, it's mm -hmm. much, much more difficult because with the retina movement, people understand that you're trying to help people who are going blind. That's very easy to want to explain to people. Um, and, uh, but when you're trying to explain to people that, um, you know, you want to, uh, bring in mindfulness into public life and politics um that's a hard sell <laughs> don't yes of that. course of course and, uh, anything I, like that would be yeah so um, consequently it's very difficult to raise any funds mm. to support this initiative and and as you know yourself avril uh, since we work together that you know it, it's extremely difficult to um uh, move things forward um if you don't have some funding um the resource to do so really yeah, that's is right what's, yeah, what's needed yeah, yeah. And the, mindfulness itself i mean as you say you've been practicing for for decades now and oh. i know that you know it's something that you know you really believed in you do feel that it has benefited you in your life and oh, to cope better with your hugely. sight loss and your vision loss as, as it has progressed well absolutely it, it it helps me to cope with every aspect of my life you know um and, um, you know, because I've been very lucky, really, um, and a lot of us, uh, quite a few of us in, in, in who suffer from retinitis pigmentosa have been relatively lucky in the sense that, you know, we've been able to live for a long period of our lives um, where uh, our visual impairment didn't really materially, materially impact on our work. That You know, we could still read, we could still operate computers and uh, so on and so forth travel around and um, so I was lucky that I could do that for a long long time but unfortunately I'm quite limited now in what I can do I can't read at all if you gave me a sheet of paper I mm -hmm. uh, I, I would be lucky if I could see this sheet of paper <laughs> yes. any print on it and um, I can't read from my computer so I use the JAWS software uh, which is wonderful um, and um, so, you know, but I'm very lucky because I have all this, you know, at the current time, the fact that there is so much electronic support for people with visual impairment is wonderful. Nevertheless, it is very challenging um, from an emotional point of view because you do lose your independence and um, uh, to a great extent, you know, um, in spite of all the wonderful uh, technological um, support that's there. Um, as you probably know, Avril, I was a bit like yourself. I, if I wanted to go to Japan, I'd get on a plane and go to Japan, you know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not so long ago since I negotiated the underground in Tokyo on my own, you know, which yes, I, uh, is quite a challenge for anybody indeed that's ever is. been there. They will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, for somebody who doesn't speak Japanese. And um, so, you know, but I couldn't do that now, obviously, you know. Um, in fact, it would be very difficult for me to travel um, anywhere. Anywhere, uh, yeah, on, my own. on your own. Uh, and, and, of course, I, 
I recognize that the, the, the it's going to be difficult for any everybody travel going forward with the COVID. It's true. Around. We're in a new uh, a new world when it comes to travel and yeah. and yeah. the ability to do so. Certainly, yeah. limitations. Yeah. Yeah. If there was anybody listening, Michael, um, who was interested in getting started, but maybe you know a little bit, you know, nervous of getting started into something, or maybe enthusiastically wanting to start to yeah. uh, more meditation and 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 uh, to bring some calm uh, what would you what would you recommend that they start with well the the um, uh, standard uh, way to start is to look for somebody who teaches the mbsr course the mindfulness-based stress stress reduction course which was developed by john kabat-zinn way back in the late 70s early 80s um and uh the the that that is the standard kind of way to to uh, learn mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Now they're pretty much all over the world at the moment, okay. and uh, so um, most people should be able to access a course like that. But if they can't, um, try and find another um, uh, meditation course. Um, and uh, there's not that huge difference between all the different forms of meditation. Okay. But I suppose one thing I would say, Avril, is this, that, you know, it's my experience that uh, because I run a couple of meditation groups um, and uh, yeah, I started one in Fighting Blindness, as you know, uh, which is still going. I think I don't, I'm, not, I'm not running that at the moment, but uh, yeah, I think it's still going. And, um, uh, but it is my experience that people come to mindfulness and meditation groups and um, some of them get a lot out of it straight away, but a lot of them... Like I, I always remember a, a young fellow that came to a group that I run and he's a very nice young man, but uh, he, he dropped out after a couple of sessions and I met him late, later and he said to me, uh, you know, I, 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 he said that he had the impression as he was sitting around the table that uh, he, was, he was involved in some kind of real weirdo operation. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, what I would say to people is this, that, you know, you do have to give it a little bit of time when you start off because um, it's a very strange thing when you do start off and um, not a lot of people get it straight away. I certainly mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you give yourself a bit of time and the other thing I would say is that, and, you know, uh, maybe some people involved in mindfulness might not totally agree with this, but, you know, I do think you have to get to the stage where you really enjoy practicing um uh, meditation okay. uh, at least to some extent now you won't you won't enjoy every meditation but if you enjoy um, a good few of your meditations it'll be much easier for you to 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 sit down and meditate um and by by enjoying i, I mean like getting to the stage where you can uh, focus, uh, focus yeah. on the simple mm-hmm. things in life and see the, the, the enjoy the light and the brightness and the sounds and the quietness and the and, and, and the and fresh uh, air and the and the all of the good and things the, and and the stillness you know and if you can get to the stage where you begin to enjoy those things well then it becomes much easier to practice um, uh, meditation and to, get the, to, and to get the benefits and yeah. it's interesting um, you know Michael listening to you. Um, Right now, I suppose we are in a situation and certainly the vision impaired community who even those who are coming out of lockdown now will have limitations, of course, because of issues concerning social distance and vision impairment. Yep. Um, so there is time for people to maybe take the time 
to um, to think about how they can um, maybe bring this into their lives in some capacity to to help them to address all of these issues. It certainly sounds very interesting. I haven't I haven't started it. I haven't. I always said to you that I would. Um, uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll look it up now and see because we certainly have the time to to do so. And yes. Maybe it will help me to uh, think about things like. Did I not leave the iron on? Did I leave the iron on? <laughs> and, live, and live in the moment. Um, but it's really, yes. it's really great to speak to you today, Michael, and to learn um, how you live and, and how you've been coping over the years. I'm sure a lot of people in the community aren't aware um, of your involvement in this, in this particular um, activity and how it has benefited you. It's always good to hear from you and it's always good to hear how our members are coping and how they live their lives. So thank you for sharing with us. Thanks very much, Avril. And we look forward to hearing from you again. Great. And my regards to all my friends in the Retina International world. Thank you. Thanks, Michael.